Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Welcome to episode seven of Adding Fuel to the Hire. Today's episode is Attracting Top Talent. I'm Tony Flynn and with me today is Rowan Coe. Hello, Tony. Hello, Rowan. So obviously attracting top talent is any employer's or should be any employer's number one goal within recruiting. Definitely. Um, It's a lot easier said than done, I think, in a lot of cases. And there's so many particular steps to getting this right. Um, we could talk for days on this. You one. could. That's so this is going to be very yeah. much an overall, uh, overarching uh, comment on on a few things. Yeah, exactly. And we've got a couple of subtopics we've written down that we want to cover off on. Um, but yeah, this by no means covers the whole thing. Um, and we will have other episodes later on as well that do cover off on different points in more detail. But this is just a, a real overarching uh, summary, I suppose, is a good way to put it. So. Step one, when you're you're trying to attract top talent, is obviously the marketing or getting the the job right, the job ad right. Um, so, from uh, from what you've seen, Rowan, and um, what's been done well and what's been done poorly, what's your starting point? How do you go about it? Yeah, look, when I write a job ad, I always am clear with what the job is. I think that's really important. Trying to avoid some of those gimmicky titles. Um, like director of first impressions or something along those lines. We're looking for our next sales superstar. <laughs> we want to keep it uh, clear and concise and and exactly what the job is. That way, um, you know, candidates who are browsing job boards can find it. Mm. Keywords are important in advertising, so you want to make sure that you've got those important keywords for what the job actually is. You know, if it is a sales consultant role, then call it a sales consultant. Um Always checking the the job ad to make sure that uh, spelling, uh, grammar, and your sentences read well. Uh, you want to put your best foot forward to candidates so that when they see the ad, uh, they read it and they're like, "Oh wow, this is just this ad speaks to me." It's, mm. I can tell it's written by somebody who cares about this job or about this company, and uh, you know that really makes a, an impression on candidates when they're looking for jobs and uh, really improves the types of candidates that you get. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Is you can't really expect a candidate to want to work for a business if the ad is written from the perspective of someone that clearly doesn't look like they want to be there. Yeah, exactly. If it's, you know, one paragraph, no real effort's been put into it. Well, yeah. it, from a candidate's perspective, they look at that and go, well, does this person really like being there? Um, yeah. So you, you want to make sure you, you want to sell the company. Um, but going back to those keywords, you know, you want to include some, maybe some buzzwords from the industry. So, you know, in, in, within dealerships, maybe include some of the brands or the or the system that you're using. Um, it's also good to talk about the location as well, I think, especially if you're in a regional area, you really want to highlight, you know, why would somebody want to actually relocate here? Because you're not just targeting those local people, you are targeting people uh, who relocate. So, yeah. you know, you've got to have some of that information there as well. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's just all about being clear with the information, uh, and that includes salary as well. You know, a lot of candidates don't apply for jobs if there's no salary listed. So it's really important if you can is to put a salary range on there. Of course, there's you know downsides to doing that, but having a range there uh, rather than saying you know it's going to pay this, 
Uh, but if you can have a range there with some information um, and about hours and all those sort of things, not only does it uh, encourage those candidates who you know, are, are researching and, and want to know exactly, well, what's this job paying, um, it also stops some of that uh, inquiry coming through that from candidates who maybe just aren't going to be suitable or aren't interested because the salary might not be what they're looking for. Yeah, and you, you at least hit that on the head at the start of the process as opposed to, you know, getting all the way through to an offer phase and then suddenly, you know, your salary expectations don't match up, um, which is obviously the, the, one of the most painful parts of recruiting is when you get so far through the process. But, yeah, it's the old saying, if there's no price, it's not for sale. Yeah. Um, and the amount of times I think I've worked on roles where uh, in the past the salary hasn't been advertised through the client uh, when they post their ads and then you get the salary for the role and it's a really good salary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the realistic nature is that it is the biggest selling point for most candidates. So you've just, especially if it's a good salary, put it up there. Yeah, um, definitely. And I've, I've heard it a lot of the times from candidates and I'm sure you have as well where not having the salary on the role uh, on the job ad can often be interpreted by people as well. Are they trying to hide something? Um, yeah, is it's, that, not, it's not high enough yeah, to say it's a selling point. Exactly. So, um, yeah, put it on there. If you can't give a detailed description as to what it will be exactly, as you said, salary range, um, yeah. at least something so yes. people know the yeah. ballpark. Yeah. Um, and another one is, you know, if you do have specific requirements for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, they must have this, list it on the ad. Mm. Um Nothing worse from a candidate's perspective is applying for a job and you think you tick all the boxes because you haven't listed everything that you're looking for on there and then suddenly you find out, you know, you, you weren't even considered because you didn't have, I don't know, um, Volvo truck experience. Yeah. So if that's what that someone needs, then put it on there. Um, yes, you're going to get less applicants, but at least the ones you do get, in theory, should be more focused and tailored towards the ad that you've written. Exactly. And uh, next on our list for, um, you know, ways to attract top talent is communication. Uh, why is that on there? That, that seems a bit, uh, I guess, uh, you know, a little bit out, out, outside of the square. You'd think it's more about advertising, marketing, but communication we see is a huge um, part of the, the process. Yeah, and it probably comes down to simply a way to set yourself apart from your competitors. Um, and, and communication is probably not more so about attracting top talent as it is more so about, not losing the top talent throughout the process. So you've already attracted them. How can you hold on to them uh, through the process? So um, I've always ran off the premise and, you know, I suppose this is both in management, in life, in in recruitment, whatever it is, you can't have too much communication. Um, if people know what's going on, we've kind of touched on it in earlier episodes, uh, people are okay with delays if they're told why mm. and when they can expect to, you know, have the next step achieved. Exactly. So it's just don't leave people in the dark. It, it makes it really difficult for a candidate to stay engaged and stay on the treadmill if they don't know why. The why is half the battle. Yes, definitely. And it's all about just treating people with respect, uh, respect for their time. They've obviously put a lot of effort into an application and they're interested. So just give them that update and keep them engaged in the process and, and be professional about everything. You know, even even if they're not successful or they're not going to be successful, I think it's still important to communicate that. Yeah, and it's particularly, once again, with the incestuous nature of these industries, um, you should be looking at every application or every candidate as a potential customer mm. because you don't really know where they're going to end up in their careers. So if, you know, if they have a bad, uh, you know, bad 
time applying for your job and, and a really bad experience and they have a sour taste in their mouth. Well, in five years time, they might be a general manager or a branch manager of a business that suddenly is going to be working alongside you guys, whether it's, you know, supplying aftermarket parts or something like that. And so you want to make sure that you're treating everyone with just the utmost respect, communicating, being clear with them throughout the process. Um, because yeah, you honestly, you don't know where your, your paths will cross in exactly. the future. Because those people, they might not be suitable for the role that they've applied for, but they could be suitable for something else in the future. And I think that's something that, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, we'll keep your resume on file. But what um, does it actually mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's important to just let everybody know, respond to every application that comes in, whether they're successful or not, whether they're a, um, you know, severely underqualified even. We, we respond to all of those people um, because reputation is everything and you want to be seen as being mm. professional. So I think it's important to uh, to make sure you do that. And I suppose it, it, for larger companies with application tracking systems and that kind of thing, it's a lot easier. But how would you advise, say, the smaller companies out there, um, how would they go about, you know, potentially automating that process or contacting um, every application that does come through in, a, in a, I suppose, a, a way that's not going to make them time poor? Yeah, look, I mean – the, the it doesn't need to be a personal email that you send to, you know, you write an email to every single person. It can be automated. It can be a template. But the template's got to read like it's personable. Uh, you want to be, um, you know, acknowledge that they've spent the time on it, but unfortunately, you know, we've had other applicants that probably a little bit more uh, closer to what we're looking for. Um, so, you know, there are ways of doing that. Microsoft uh, Office, uh, if you're using Outlook, uh, there's, there's plenty of options there for email templates and quick steps. Mm. Google quick steps, they're very good uh, ways of automating things within Outlook. Um, so there, there, there are ways of easily responding to people in a very quick way, I'm just saying, you know, thanks for your application, we'll look at it, or thanks but no thanks, or whatever it is, um, you can automate that and make it quick and easy so that you don't forget as well. And, and it goes a long way and it, it probably, um, I know it shocks us a lot of the time how many responses to those emails, despite the fact that the person on their end understands that it is just a generic email that, you know, yeah. most unsuccessful people are receiving, um, but they'll get the response to go, you know, thank you so much. I haven't received an email back for my last 50 applications. I actually have a folder in my uh, <laughs> Outlook of replies from people that I've rejected um, thanking me for the the response because, uh, you know, they, they don't just, that's probably the number one complaint candidates have is they apply for a job and they never hear anything. So regardless of what you've got to say, whether it's, yes, we want to continue, we're not sure or no, I think you need to let them know as soon as possible. Yeah. And and ultimately it is 2020. So I don't think there's an excuse anymore. No, there's plenty of technology out there. Um, but I suppose that the overarching point with communication is just that at no stage should any candidate not know what is happening. Um, you know, they sh- just whether it's a delay, whether it's, you know, um, the next step is going to be doing a psychometric assessment, it should be communicated the whole time to that candidate so they're aware and they understand and they can preempt what's going to come. I think as soon as, and we hinted on it in episode one, about planting that seed of doubt into a candidate's mind. As soon as there's silence or there's uncertainty, that's when that seed will grow. Mm. Um, you know, what's going to happen next? Uh, am I not right for them? Are they thinking about other people? Like, are they not considering me anymore? So avoiding that is is imperative and communication is the easiest way to do so. Um, but I suppose particularly when we look at our dealerships and, and focusing on that, how do you go about selling your dealership to a candidate? How do you set 
your dealership apart considering, you know, most of the business models are all the same. You know, they all operate in the same way. So what can you do as an employer that, to, you know, stand out from the crowd and, and what have you seen other employers do successfully, Rowan? Yeah, look, I think there's uh, there's a couple of things you can do. Obviously, uh, what we've talked about before and being uh, clear and concise in your in your job marketing is, is important. But the culture and the team and, and the type of people that you've got working for your business, that's uh, one of the parts that I think should be highlighted specifically because I think one of the main reasons or, or one of one of the popular reasons, I guess, for staff looking to move on is that they, you know, they, maybe they don't like the working environment that they're in, or they're not the team is not good, or there's you know, bad vibes, or something along those lines. So if you don't have that, if you've got good good managers and and your staff are really happy, then you know, if you've won a, um, a, a an employee award or, or you value your staff, you need to put that in your marketing, uh, in, even on your employment page on your website. Uh, I think every dealership should have a careers page on their website that mm. highlights some of their staff and, you know, some of the things that they've done and what a career looks like at that dealership. Yep. That's an easy thing to do and, and definitely goes a long way in adding some um, further context to, you know, some of the, some of that information that you can get across to potential uh, candidates. Yeah. And I've seen a couple of dealers do it really well where they'll actually um, have a couple of employees and they'll use them as an example, but they'll actually focus on one or two of them and, and actually show, you know, they started off in the service department as an apprentice. They went into this, they were a service advisor. Now they're a service manager. Um, and obviously it's not possible for every employee, but it paints a really good picture of, well, you know, they did it. So, you know, the company looks internally and we can, you know, there, there's scope for me here to, uh, to work my way up. So it, it's a really neat and, and easy way, I suppose, to, um, you know, make it, so that if someone is researching your company, well, that's the first impression they get. Yeah, so definitely. It, it's really easy. But I think the world as a whole is starting to shift away from this, um, you know, nine to five, five day a week work mentality. And dealerships, it's really difficult, um, more so than most businesses, because, um, you know, it, it's very set dealership hours. You've got Saturdays on a rotating roster a lot of the time for some departments. I think as a whole, the dealership industry is quite difficult um, compared to that, say, of a tech company that can work remotely and, you know, has all that flexibility there. Um, but there's definitely some employers that we're seeing out there now that have started things like the four-day work week, um, you know, changing from five, eight-hour days to, to four, 10-hour days. Um, obviously, there's a bit of planning that goes into that because you're going to need more staff to kind of cover the gaps when someone's away. Um, but, I think that's where a lot of the future is going to be. And I think the employers that get ahead of the eight ball with that and do it early mm. are going to be the ones that will get staff and retain them much easier. Yeah. Um, we've got one dealer um, that's now doing a seven day on seven day off roster um, and they've worked at it and they've tweaked it. And this is for the service department purely to, to retain technicians um, and they've crunched the numbers and they figured out, well, we need this amount of technicians um, working this amount of hours per day let's hire extra guys so that we can do seven days on seven days off. So you're getting that lifestyle. Um, I suppose that the mines can provide where, you know, you work hard for a short period of time and then you have a full week off where you can go on mini holidays or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, I know from, from their perspective, they've gone really well and, and they're finding that staff retention is really good. They've had a couple of other people jump ship from other dealers. Um, you know, you know everyone talks and, and word spreads pretty quickly. So I think, the key point to that is, yes, it's difficult, but if you can crunch the numbers and figure out good KPIs and figure out how it can be done, then those that do it better 
will find recruitment and retention much, much easier, particularly in the in the long term. Definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, I guess uh, moving on to the next topic there for attracting top talent and, and making sure that they feel uh, welcome throughout that process, uh, tell us about onboarding. What do you see there? There's obviously a lot of opportunity there uh, to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe give us a couple of pointers around that. So – I think onboarding a lot of the time is the forgotten element in recruitment and staff retention. Um, I was pretty lucky in a previous role that I worked in, we had a quite a high volume of staff um, just through the size of the department. So onboarding became a really key focus for us. Um, and I did a lot of research on the matter and looked at all these top companies across the world that were famous, uh, particularly in America for their onboarding processes. Um, and yeah, I read through that and came up with some really cool ideas and, and how to do it that worked really well in a previous role of mine that I've then carried forward. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go through that, I suppose, and go through a couple of tips that we learned on that. But um, number one, and it seems really odd or left field, but never start an employee on a Monday. Everyone always starts an employee 8am on Monday. And all that means is that everyone's coming from the weekend. Yeah. Everyone's already behind the eight ball because who, yeah, who has a quiet Monday? And then suddenly that person's just left to the wayside because their direct manager is just like, well, I've got way too much to worry about right now. Yeah. You're not a priority. Start them 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah. So 10 a.m. means that, you know, that day people have already gotten settled in. They might have been there for an hour or two. But then on Tuesday, at least that way, it's another day, you know, people are on top of their work, things are settling down. So that's the first piece of advice. Give it a try. Definitely works. The, the difference we saw starting people on Tuesday at 10 a.m., it's just, yeah, second to none. Um, the other thing sounds trivial, but make sure you've got a desk for them. <laughs> like We've had it a couple of times where candidates have started um, with clients of ours and, yeah, day one you check in with them and they go, oh, yeah, it was all right, but felt a little bit disorganised. There was no desk for me. And it just paints a horrible picture, I think. Um, once again, plants that seed in that candidate's head, like, did they want me? Yeah. Yep. Like, they not know I was coming. Um so, yeah, that, that's a big one. Um, and then the other, I suppose, key point with onboarding is they shouldn't, from day one, it shouldn't be, I, I know there's, I suppose, exceptions to the rule because you might be really busy or it just might be a, a sheer necessity, peak of harvest, whatever it is. But generally speaking, that person shouldn't be working, you know, strictly in that role for the first week. They've got to learn the business, learn how things are done and why they're done differently. So a little thing I used to do in a previous role was, I used to sit down with them and run through the business and, and the intricacies of the business for about a day, a day and a half. And then at the end of the week, we actually had a pop quiz on it. Um, and yeah, it was only minor, but it was just something that, you know, they knew they had to listen and, and retain the information. And I could tell, you know, where they, where they, uh, you know, where they picked things up well, where they didn't, where they're lacking in. And so as a manager going forward, I knew what I had to focus on with them. Um, and it's just a really easy, trivial way, I suppose, for someone to be able to, you know, keep up to speed and, and, learn the business quickly because there's nothing worse. I think from a, an employee's perspective, you start a new job, you get thrown in the deep end and you know, it's three weeks in and you get a really trivial question that you should have known the answer for, but it's just never come up Yeah, because you've been in the deep end the whole time. Yeah. And getting to know the team is also another you know, part of the process. And I've seen a great example of how you can speed that up. Um, funnily enough with speed dating, quote unquote. Yeah. This um, is another one we did as yeah, well. So, you know, where you, uh, you, you make appointments with everybody in the office and they come in for five minutes and, and chat with the new employee and just find out, find out about them. Uh, it, it, 
Yeah, it's great. It uh, you know really breaks that ice. You get to talk to those people that maybe are off hiding off in a in an office doing some other work, and they you know they they don't get to see you that often. But I think from day one, having something like that is is really beneficial. And, and it goes back to that team culture. I think like if if you're a mechanic and you're on the tools and you've got your head under a a car or a truck or whatever it is, you know, seven hours a day, you're not really talking to, you know, the guys in uh, on the front desk or the admin people or whatever it is. So that speed dating really breaks that ice. Um, and you have conversations with people that probably would have taken four or five months to actually have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to add to that, a, a cool little tip, I suppose, um, at a, that previous job that I was working at when we did speed dating, we actually, after the speed dating sessions that ran over about a two-day period, um, they're only 15 minutes long, we actually had a, uh, a pop quiz or a trivia competition um, at the end of the week with the whole team. And so it was, um, yeah, personal stuff that the questions for the for the trivia uh, for the speed dating, I suppose, were were targeting um, and, and questions that you should have answered or somehow organically it should have come up. And then, uh, yeah, you have a trivia based on uh, that new person. And it was just a fantastic way of breaking the ice. And yeah. just you, you walked away from that. I think we did it on a Friday. And then the next Monday that person would walk in and they'd feel completely part of the team. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't feel that awkward. No. Coming uh, into a new place. You know, you you're at the, yeah, you know, when you're four weeks in and you're at the kitchen and you don't really know the other person, <laughs> none of that. It completely removes that. Um, so, yeah, that's a really easy way to do it, but definitely probably the best way I've seen it done throughout my career. Yeah, um, definitely. By, by a long way. But um, and, and just on onboarding as well, um, one other really easy way to do it, which also helps massively with culture as well, is having that person ride side saddle with another member of the team um, for the first few weeks. Um, it, it, no matter how experienced they are, but just to learn the ways of how that company is doing it. And, with, you know, through that system you might find out, oh, you know, we did it better another way. Um, but at least there's someone sitting with them side by side, running through it with them, um, making sure they're comfortable. Um, yeah, it, it's really important. And it also can be used as a bit of a tool for uh, retention um, by picking those top performers to be that person that kind of coaches and mentors them. Because it's not always up to the manager to be mentoring them you know, throughout the first two, three weeks of their employment, you can say, you know, well, that's my top service advisor person. You ride side saddle with, you know, Troy on his first week. Yeah. Um, and that person feels value. They go, oh, well, you know, my hard work's showing off. It's going well. And then also Troy's going to appreciate it because he's got some support there. If he's got any questions, he doesn't have to wait for the manager who might be off in, you know, God knows what meetings. Mm. So it's just a, another really simple way. Yeah, definitely. To, to make him do it. And I guess another um – simple thing or, or, or the changing face and technology of mm. attracting talent and, and even just hiring um, have been these the rise of these ATS systems that recruiters use, which is an applicant tracking system, um, and a lot of other systems as well where you record all the applications that you receive, you retain all that information, you retain all the notes and information about all those candidates um, so that if you need to hire again in the future for the same position or a similar position or you're looking for somebody that's mm. completely different, you've got that information there. So I think that's an opportunity for um, some dealers is to is to look at something like that. There are employer-based systems that, that are relatively inexpensive that yeah. you can – um, you can set up yourself and, uh, you know, capture resumes and, and all that information as well. So Give some meaning to the uh, the saying, you know, we'll save your resume. Oh, exactly. Bar. Yeah, definitely. And look, I mean, the, I was even just thinking about the other day about what, what's the easiest way you could like legitimately set up some sort of 
way of searching, say you get 100 applications and you've mm-hmm. got all those resumes, and I thought, well, look, if you've got uh, even even just on your Windows computer, you've got your folder for the parts department, folder for service, and every time you get an application from one of those departments, you put that resume in that folder because you can search through Windows Explorer or whatever. Yeah. You can do a keyword search and it'll search the contents of the resume. So you could search Volvo or John Deere or whatever, and all those resumes that contain that term will come up. So you've actually got all those people right there. That's free. You don't even need yeah. to pay to do that. Um, and you can save all those resumes there, and it's an easy way of recalling those. You don't actually have to go through a, a filing cabinet drawer to find yeah. uh, find a resume from somebody you spoke with, you know, six months ago, or got an application from. So I think that's a quick and easy way that you something you could do today uh, that would help you in the future to help find people when you're looking for somebody. Yeah, and it, it I suppose is a way to make sure that when you are trying to attract top staff and for whatever reason if you know if all the boxes aren't ticked and it doesn't line up, well at least you're saving them somewhere in a in a valuable spot and you're not losing that top talent because yeah. ultimately if you're attracting them you want to keep them. But um and it takes time and it costs money to look for somebody. So if you've already got those people and you've got their resumes in a folder somewhere, mm. um I would always check that before going to the market because the, the, the perfect person might already be there and you don't have to waste all that time and money trying to uh, trying to attract them. If you've already got their details, you can say, hey, you know, I, um, I remembered receiving your resume six months ago uh, when we had this position. I've actually got this one that's just come up. Um, I saw your resume and I thought you'd be perfect for it. I mean, geez, that candidate's going to feel pretty um, valued and uh, like that, that they were respected in the process. So I think that's, um, that's definitely something that, uh, you know, people could implement today. Yeah, and... I suppose it probably leads to our final point um, and it's just, once again, it's not really more so attracting the talent, but it's how to avoid potentially losing the best talent or, or losing the potential to, to attract the talent. Um, I saw a quote the other day, I think it was on LinkedIn, and they said, the way that an employee feels about your business on the way out is just as important as they do on the way in. Mm. And I think that's never been more true, particularly with uh, technology and the changing environment and, and uh, websites such as Glassdoor. Um, if you're not aware of Glassdoor, it's a website that aggregates staff reviews um, and prospective employees or candidates will look up your business and find out what people are saying about it um, from an employee's perspective. Um, a lot of the major job boards do the same thing, you know, rate this employer, how do you find them or what were their, you know, what was the pros and cons of working for them? So yeah, the, the, the worst thing when it comes to attracting talent that you could do is have a bunch of disgruntled ex-employees going out there and putting bad reviews out into the internet. It's going to make attracting talent very difficult. <laughs> sure is. It's because, you know, that top talent's going to be smart enough to do the reviews yeah. and to read up. So holding exit interviews, you know, if there were problems, it, it sucks to hear them, but find out why. What were the downsides? How can you improve that? And, and make sure that person leaving still leaves with a sense of, you know, joy about your business. You know, they 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 have positive things to say because ultimately, particularly once again in, in these industries and how incestuous it is, it is that ex employees by far like guaranteed to going to come across another future candidate of yours Definitely. within the industry. Yeah. So you want them to say positive things about your company. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. Um, obviously, it's a lot easier said than done, as we said. But there's a couple of quick and easy tips in there um, that you can apply straight away and some that you can kind of work towards into the future. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.